Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. It's a beautiful sunny day in Washington, D.C., but there's a big dark cloud hanging over the White House. It looks like Russia. Hey, what do you say, everybody? On a Monday, June 12, great to see you today. Hope you had a good weekend, had a time to relax, watch some good sports. Uh, No way LeBron James was going to let the Cavs go, I mean the uh, Warriors go back to California four in a row. Uh, uh, stopped them dead on their tracks Friday night. Um, but otherwise, a good weekend. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it and are ready to dive into the big stories of the week. Yes, uh, Donald Trump has been tweeting up a storm again from his uh, country club in Bedminster, New Jersey, where he spent the weekend. We'll bring you up to date on that. Just a series of attacks on James Comey. We know that's what Donald Trump does. He attacks personally and he threatens to, to file lawsuits. Uh, that's what he did as a candidate. And that's all that he's doing as president of the United States. We're here in our nation's capital, about um, a couple of miles from the White House and just about six blocks from the United States Capitol. We've got it all covered. We'll bring you the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you what you think about the news of the day, do give us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. On this Monday, June 12, uh, it is the Bill Press Show. We'll jump right into the big news of the day. Donald Trump attacking James Comey as cowardly. Jeff Sessions ready to testify tomorrow in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. We're just not sure whether that's going to be in public or in private. And both the House and the Senate have told the White House If there are any tapes, we want to see them. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories making news. You talked about the NBA Finals bill, and that is still going on. The Golden State Warriors did not sweep the Cleveland Cavaliers. But last night, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs are over. The Pittsburgh Penguins win Mm. back-to-back Stanley Cup Championship. I know everybody was sort of with the Nashville Predators. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but last night they won two to nothing. That means they win the series back to back Stanley Cups. 
for the Pittsburgh. You would Penguins. sort of think that Pittsburgh would win the hockey over Nashville. So. You would think. Just, you, I, you would think I would so. like to issue a retraction. Uh, last week on the show, I said that the Stanley Cup uh, was more exciting than the NBA Finals. I was wrong. <laughs> Yeah. There's only two good games there. Yeah, uh, it, they but were they were. T- I mean, t- they were two good <laughs> games, but then it all sort of fell apart. Yeah. After that, so I, if you're a Penguins fan, congratulations! It's a big day for you. I don't really watch much hockey. Screw the Penguins. There it is. <laughs> all right, so we go to Rhode Island, where there is a state representative by the name of Ramon Perez. Ramon Perez, and he's a Democrat, and he had a screenshot of a. Of his computer, right? Mm-hmm. He was using it to, for a work-related tab that he wanted to put on a handout to hand out to uh, a bunch of people there uh, in the uh, state represent- House of State Representatives. Uh-huh. Except the problem is, you know where this is going. Uh, porno. He had a porn tab open. He had a porn tab open. And in fact, he printed out a couple hundred copies of this thing and handed it out. To- Didn't he look at before he hit print? He he didn't. I guess nobody looked at something. Oh, it was this yeah. was all about. He was trying to hand out a thing for the Puerto Rico Automobile Accident Compensation Administration. It's a bill oh. that he sponsored, part of a bill that he sponsored. But he also had included several, not just one, but several tabs specifically mentioning teen porn. Uh-huh. Jesus. Oh, this God. is the second incident of this this week, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, journalist Kurt Eichenwald caught with this online. He was looking at tentacle porn, whatever that is. What? <laughs> no, it's a thing, Bill. I, I don't, I've never seen it, but you can ask Kurt Eichenwald about it. He's seen it. I, Representative Ramon apologized on Facebook. Well, as did I'm Kurt still Eichenwald. stuck on the tentacle porn. Yeah. We'll come back to it later we'll in the show. We'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say on a Monday, Monday, June 12? Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. And welcome to The Bill Press Show. we got a lot to talk about today. Bringing you out of the weekend and your uh, leisure and your relaxation and your resting up and you're watching a lot of sports into the back to the political fray of the day, although it didn't really go away over the weekend because uh, uh, little Donnie was up at his country club in New Jersey tweeting away, attacking James Comey any way that he could. We'll bring you up to all the uh, to, to date on all the news of the day over the next two hours uh, and look forward to hearing from you, your comments about what it all means to you. Send us your comments on Twitter, pardon me, at BP Show. We are reaching out to you from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Of course, thank you for joining us there. Thank you for looking on Free Speech TV, uh, coast to coast. Thank you for joining us out in Chicagoland on WCPT. And remember, if you haven't already done so, sign up on Patreon, patreon.com. Prove you're a real friend of The Bill Press Show by um, just... uh, for a little bit of um, hard cash every month, just a very little bit, five bucks, uh, you'll be getting exclusive material on our Patreon um, site every day. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, don't forget our podcast. Podcast is growing and growing and growing every day. Go to BillPressShow.com. Anytime during the day you want to catch part of the show you missed or watch the entire show, um, BillPressShow.com or on iTunes. Got it right? Easy peasy, man. All right. So this is uh, this is a, a very big week. A very, very big week. Um, this is, my friends and neighbors, I hope you understand, Workforce Development Week. Yes, that's what we're told from the White House. That is the theme for this week. That is what they're going to be talking about. In fact, uh, first daughter, Ivanka Trump, is, as we speak, on Fox and Friends, promoting Workforce Development Week. They are going to have, that's all they're going to talk about this week at the White House. That's going to be the meme. Uh, That's going to be their focus. And so anything else is going to go out the window. And, of course, that's what they they said last week. Last week uh, was Infrastructure Week. And, of course, nothing happened last week except... All the talk about infrastructure, right? right. That's all we that talked was, about. It was such a boring week. It was so just nothing but infrastructure. We, we can only hope that Workforce Development Week is going to work out as well for the White House as Infrastructure Week worked out for the White House. Uh, and, of course, uh, it started <laughs> with Donald Trump over the weekend uh, picking up the phone again. He got away from the White House, got away from his lawyers who said, put the phone down, Donald, uh, for, uh, while James Comey is testifying uh, he was back at it uh, over the weekend, and of course, uh, using the phone in his personal attacks for to make a whole series of personal attacks against uh, James Comey. Uh, by the way, they don't seem to be doing um, a lot of good. The latest poll out this morning shows that for the American people, as we said at the end of the week, this whole thing now boils down to who do you believe? Whom do you believe? Thank you. Uh, do you believe Donald Trump or do you believe James Comey? The American people say pretty definitively, uh, we believe the, F- the FBI guy, not the carnival barker in the White House. Uh, 46% say they believe James Comey. 26% say they believe Donald Trump. That's a 20-point spread. That's pretty That's pretty conclusive. Uh, <clears throat> and that's the president, the president of the United States, who is at the bottom of the pile. Right. So let's start with the uh, White House response to the, uh, to, to the Donald Trump uh, and, and the James Comey, to the James Comey testify, a testimony in particular, uh, and, and the White House spin. Now, remember, there's nothing wrong with spin. It's not illegal. It's not evil. It can be funny. And everybody does it. I mean, every I, – I wrote a whole book about spin. It's a damn good book. Spin this. Go out and get a copy. And what I show in that book is that it's not just politicians that spin. Preachers spin. Lawyers spin. Doctors spin. Boyfriends spin. Girlfriends. I mean, we all do it, right? Uh, politicians in particular. But what's notable about – the Trump White House is not that they spin. It's just that they're so bad at it. <laughs> it's not even good spin, right? So the spin that they've got about James Comey amounts to this. And remember the context that this is a guy under oath who, until Donald Trump fired him a month earlier, 
was the chief law enforcement officer of the United States, Mr. Straight Arrow. And James Comey testifies under oath that he could not and we cannot trust the president of the United States, that he lies, that he felt so uncomfortable around Donald Trump that he asked that he never be allowed to be alone with him again, and that he was so sure that Donald Trump would lie about his meetings with the president that he, James Comey, made handwritten notes, memos to himself about every single meeting with Donald Trump. I mean, devastating testimony. You know, devastating, right? I was having a conversation with somebody about this uh, at the end of last week, right? And, and Democrats, I don't think, should necessarily be in this role of saying, like, oh, James Comey is untouchable, he's so great, he's such a wonderful guy. James Comey has a lot of problems, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at how he handled the Hillary Clinton thing, I think a lot of us yeah. are yeah. still looking at that and saying, like, he handled that poorly. But he's an honest guy. Yeah. yeah. And and at the end of the day, you might not like James Comey, and I don't love James Comey, and I don't think he's any kind of hero or anything like that. But I think at the end of the day, James Comey is a an honest man. And, and you look at his track record, and... Some of the things that he did were done sloppily. Yeah, right. But he doesn't have any history of being like a liar or any kind of partisan. No. Just kind of a sloppy guy. Yeah. But honesty is is what comes to the Absolutely. to the front of the mind with James Comey. So and that on that front, on that point, you have to sort of give the advantage to right. James Comey. So that's what Comey said. And again, devastating for anybody. I mean, it's hard it would be hard to imagine for anybody um, harsher testimony about that person's character than James Comey said about Donald Trump, who, by the way, happens again to be president of the United States. So now to the spin. How does the White House respond? Well, they respond in four ways, which are really kind of crazy. I mean, one of them, um, Donald Trump hit on in his news conference Friday with the Prime Minister of Romania. It's so funny. Donald Trump won't invite anybody to the White House, right? I mean, he has a news conference with the head of Romania. Romania. Find it on the map, I dare you. Uh, uh, first of all, he says, Comey who? Is Donald Trump, yeah. Comey who? I hardly know the man. I'm not going to say I want you to pledge allegiance. Who would do that? Who would ask a man to pledge allegiance under oath? I mean, think of it. I hardly know the man. Yeah, what well, kind of arrogant? Well, yeah. By the way, their dinner, oh, their dinner, their dinner was not under oath, but he did ask him to pledge that he wanted his loyalty. I hardly know him. He talked to him nine times <laughs> in four months, including three one-on-one meetings that he requested with the director of the FBI. Yeah, I hardly know yeah. the man. What kind right. of psychotic megalomaniac would ask people to pledge their loyalty? To- oh, no, right. It would be Donald Trump. It would oh, absolutely be Donald Trump. Right. He'd yeah. become more famous than me. <laughs> uh, and so then, Donald Trump, the first uh, the first uh, uh, spin, right, is Comey is nothing but a leaker. Here he is. No collusion. No obstruction. He's a leaker. 
<laughs> but we want to get back to running our great country. Oh, yeah. He's the leaker. That's the worst thing. In Donald Trump's eyes, that's the worst thing you can say about anybody. And we've said this before. So many people have said it over the weekend, too. He, no, you can't put James Comey in the same category as well-known leakers. Whatever you think about what they did, Chelsea Manning, Edward Snowden, or most recently reality winner, uh, James Comey was not a government employee when he gave his notes through a friend to the New York Times. They were his. They were not government documents. They were not confidential documents. They were not classified documents. They were his notes that he gave to a friend, said, I hope you give these to the New York Times, because Donald Trump had already come out and said there were tapes of their conversations that said just the opposite of what James Comey knew they had talked about. So his fear that Donald Trump would lie about what they talked about was brought out, was brought about, came about by Donald Trump. So that's the he's first. He's a leaker. He's a leaker. The first thing, which is just crazy. The other thing is, I th- they said, okay, here's the thing. Donald Trump never asked him to drop the investigation, uh, they say. He just said, I hope you do. And that is just... Meaningless. That doesn't mean anything. Remember, Senator Jim uh, Rich from uh, Idaho tried to make that point during the hearings. And of course, we talked about this too. That is nonsense as well. When the president of the United States sitting in the Oval Office and you're the only two there and he's behind his desk and he looks at you and he knows what you're doing and he know it's Michael Flynn the day after he fired him and he says, I hope you'll drop this and find a way to drop this investigation. You know what that means. In fact, I'll tell you, that means you better do it or you're out of a job. That's what that means. Just as we said last week, if your boss comes to you and says, I hope you're going to start showing up for work on time, (laughs) that means you better damn do it or you're out of a job. Right. right? Uh, None other than Donnie Jr. admitted over the weekend when his daddy says something like that, He's not he's not just kidding around. Look, I, listen, I, I think it's clear that, uh, you know, everything that went on in the Comey testimony was basically ridiculous. They're saying, hey, he never asked me to stop a Russia investigation. When I hear the Flynn comments, you and I both know my father a long time. What? When he tells you to do something. Yes. Guess what? There's no ambiguity in it. There's no no hey, ambiguity. I'm hoping. Right. No ambiguity at all. That's what he, he's right. So he undercuts yeah. his father's argument there. And then the third spin, of course, is that, um, and this is what Donald Trump tweeted over the weekend, uh, cowardly, cowardly. In fact, he put it in quotes because James Comey used that phrase himself during his testimony when he was asked by Senator Feinstein, why didn't you just tell the president, no, I'm not going to do that, that's wrong. And Comey admitted, he said, you know, um, that was maybe a cowardly way for me to do it. Uh, I didn't say, Mr. President, you're wrong. I just... Um, made up my own mind that I was going not going to do what he was asking me to do because I knew it was wrong. But again, by the president, in front of the president, he didn't say it to his face. That was kind of a slightly cowardly way of trying to avoid telling him we're not going to do that. So I don't here's know what the, here's the Trump tweet, by the way, verbatim, yeah. because yeah, it's, right. it's even more ridiculous when you read it like this. 
I believe the James Comey leaks will be far more prevalent than anyone ever thought possible. By the way, possible. that's a strange word to use. It, he doesn't know what it means. No, no. He doesn't know what words It's mean. totally out of context there. I believe the James Comey leaks will be far more prevalent than anyone ever I thought possible. I think he meant relevant. Relevant, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think so, too. I think he did, too. <laughs> uh, and, then he, and then he concludes a tweet by saying, totally illegal, very cowardly. Comfefe. What was it? Comfefe. Comfefe. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. I'm sorry. And the rest of it is? Totally illegal, very cowardly. Very cowardly. Very cowardly. Well, in quotes. You know what? I don't know what. Let's be honest, right? Ask yourself. Put yourself in that situation. That's a pretty powerful. You know? Everybody would be intimidated sitting in the Oval Office in front of the most powerful person on the planet by yourself, nobody else there, and he tells you to drop this investigation. Uh, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what I was, would, whether I would have said, uh-uh, no, I'm not. Find somebody else to do it. You can fire me. I'm not going to do it. I don't know. I'm not going to criticize James Comey for, for, uh, for, for not throwing it back at Don Trump in his face. But here's the point. The fact that Comey did not directly refuse at that time does not make what Donald Trump did the right thing to do. He was pressuring the top law enforcement officer in the country to drop an investigation into Donald Trump's national security advisor and perhaps into Donald Trump himself because nobody knew where the investigation was going to go. So it's beside the point totally but typical Trump to make it all about James Comey. The question is, is what Donald Trump did obstruction of justice? And that is now the new question. And then finally, the, the, the final spin, not so much from the White House, so a little bit from the White House, but from Paul Ryan, remember last week, where Paul Ryan just said, well, you know, you have to understand uh, he's new to this. I mean, that, 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 that excuse is getting old really fast. He ran for president. He's president of the United States, God forbid. He knew enough. He knew enough to throw Jeff Sessions out of the Oval Office and Jared Kushner out of the Oval Office because he knew that he wanted to say something to James Comey that was not, was not appropriate and he didn't want anybody else to hear. The so, president's new at this. Uh, yeah, right. right. So all that spin just falls apart. And then Donald Trump says, he was asked by uh, Jonathan Carl, uh, how about, okay, Comey spoke under oath. <clears throat> what about you? Would you be willing to speak under oath to uh, give your version of, of 100%. And I didn't say under oath. Oh, man. I, you know, bring it on. That would be, I would love to see Donald Trump under oath. Now, and, of course, right away, you know that some of his attorneys were saying, oh, my God, what did he just say? Because what that means yeah. is Donald Trump is saying you can bring Robert Mueller in into the White House, and I will testify in front of the special counsel under oath. This is 100 percent. This is Bill Clinton all yeah. over again yeah. in the Monica Lewinsky thing. The last thing you want is to have the president of the United States uh, charged – with uh, so many, in this case, it would be a obstruction of justice, charged with criminal conduct and having to testify under oath. But Donald Trump has now volunteered to do so, and I, I hope, I hope, but that Robert Mueller follows through.
And that's the, you know, uh, it, it, it wasn't a very good week for Donald Trump, for, to say the least. But maybe the worst part is very, very quietly we've learned that while this is going on, Special Counsel Robert Mueller is hiring up, staffing up with some very, very strong people. Because remember, and we've made this point several times, but this is the most important to, uh, to, to, to keep in mind, that this whole Russia cloud now has shifted from did they collude with Russia, was there collusion, to did Donald Trump obstruct justice? And so it's gone from collusion to obstruction. And before, James Comey could easily say, oh, Mr. President, at this point, you are not under investigation. Right now, there is no doubt that Donald Trump himself is under investigation for possible criminal activity obstructing justice. Preet Bahara, whom Donald Trump also fired, remember, he was the U.S. attorney for Southern New York, for Manhattan, uh, <laughs> uh, overseeing all of Donald sure, Trump's yeah. business activities. A man, by the way, who said over the weekend that Donald Trump called him three times just to chat and the third time he called, he was president of the United States, and Preet Bahara refused to return the call because he knew it was inappropriate. And he said when he heard James Comey testified, and he was sitting in the courtroom, right in the uh, hearing room rather, last week on Thursday, right behind uh, James Comey, he said when he heard Comey testifying, it was all deja vu for him. But Preet Bahara yesterday saying, uh, is there total, is there evidence for obstruction of justice, well, we haven't seen that yet, but there's certainly good reason to be suspicious. I think there's absolutely evidence to begin a case. I think it's very important for all sorts of armchair speculators in the law to be clear that no one knows right now whether there is a provable case of obstruction. It's also true, I think, from based on what I see as a third party and out of government, that there's no basis to say there's no obstruction. Yeah, so there's every basis to start that investigation. Uh, Preet Bahara. Back to Robert Mueller. So the people, these are people that you and I would know, names we would not know, um, but uh, lawyers in, have, have legal experts and lawyers across the board have said the people he's hiring are very serious players. He started out by bringing three partners, three expert prosecutors from his law firm, Wilmer Hale, with him. He has taken on a guy named Andrew Weissman, who from the Department of Justice, the man who handled the Enron case, the Department of Justice, has a great reputation. And just last week, he brought on a guy named Michael Dreben, also a top prosecutor at the Department of Justice, who has been called the top criminal law practitioner oh, in the United States. That sounds like bad news. Right. So those are at least five. Top prosecutors, expert criminal law practitioners who are now joining Robert Mueller. Again, what does that tell you? This is a serious investigation, and they are looking at criminal activity on the part of the president of the United States, Donald Trump. That is huge. And that's what's going on. And that is this cloud, as I said at the top of the show, over the Trump White House 
that dark cloud that's going to be there for a long time. Uh, other than that, Mr. Trump, how'd you like to play? Uh, uh, <laughs> by the way, Melania has moved into the White House. Just want to throw that out there. She uh, She's finally uh, taken up residence. And Barron. And Barron, and, uh, and. who got uh, off the plane yesterday with his fidget buster in hand. His fidget spinner. Uh, I'm sorry, fidget, fidget spinner. spinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, now, uh, Miss Trump, you want a little? Uh, you want a little uh, good news for today? Well, maybe here's some good news for today. <laughs> yeah, hardly. Uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump faces uh, his. Uh, he's threatened to sue. Uh, his lawyer has threatened to sue James Comey, um, which is ridiculous. Um, but it's all a game. It's all a game to Trump. How many Trump? How many lawsuits? Remember during the campaign, he, he I think it was countless. like 145 lawsuits he threatened Good during the campaign. Um, but Donald Trump has a lawsuit on his own hands these days. A lawsuit filed. Get this by the attorneys general of the District of Columbia and the state of Maryland. This is all about Donald Trump getting money from foreign governments. And it's, uh, 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 an un, in an unbelievable ruling, not so unbelievable, I guess, when you know who's the attorney general of the United States, Jeff Sessions, Donald Trump's lapdog. Uh, but last week, the Department of Justice ruled that Donald Trump can take any amount of money he wants from foreign governments, and that is not against the Constitution. That does not violate the emoluments clause, says the Department of Justice, because the founders were not talking about business transactions like money paid to a hotel for rooms or for meals or for events. They were just sort of talking about, I guess, money that foreign governments might hand to somebody that you slipped directly into your pocket. Uh, there was no transaction or no business transaction involved. I think that's a very, very, I'm not an attorney, but I think that's a very slippery interpretation of the Constitution, which will not stand up in the Supreme Court. But that's what they ruled. Well, no sooner had they ruled so much than uh, the District of Columbia and the state of Maryland, who represent, who contain, or put it this way, where there are a lot of businesses who are at a disadvantage if foreign governments are putting all their events and all their money and throwing all their dinners and and housing all their uh, representatives who come to Washington in the Trump International Hotel because they want to curry favor with the White House, that puts other businesses, other hotels, other restaurants at a disadvantage. So they have filed uh, a, a, a suit against President Trump alleging breach of constitutional oath they are saying that t- Donald Trump is violating the anti-corruption clauses in the Constitution by accepting millions in payments and benefits from foreign governments since moving into the White House. That is uh, blockbuster news. Uh, and that's, uh, that's uh, just one more little problem. I- I'm sure I- I- if he hasn't already done so, let me check my phone. <laughs> he hasn't um, tweeted about it yet. He hasn't tweeted. He hasn't about tweeted this about it yet. No. Yeah, this is this is I really don't interesting. See anything from Donald Trump yet this morning? This, who knows which way this could go? Right, like this could go either way. Yeah, uh, I think they make a compelling case. They make a compelling argument. But this is something that again we've never seen anything like this before. No, you no. never saw states suing the president of the United States. 
That's 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 not something that we've seen before. Well, here again, Donald Trump refused to divest himself from his uh, businesses, yeah. which even the Wall Street Journal recommended. Uh, he uh, refused to turn over uh, this property on Pennsylvania Avenue, even though the government lease says they can't lease to somebody who's a federal official. He refuses to comply with that. And uh, he insists now, with the backing of the Department of Justice, then he can take all the money he wants from foreign governments, uh, and there is no conflict. 100%. What did we tell you? Donald Trump is in the White House for one reason, to make as much money as he can. Adam Wallner from the National Journal takes joins us next uh, to talk about, well, what happens next with this Russian investigation, and where does the Comey flap go from here? Happy birthday, President George H.W. Bush today, 93 years young. It is the Bill Press Show, Monday, June 12. No collusion, no obstruction. He's a leaker. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Here we go to Monday, June 12. How about it? Great to have you with us today on the Bill Press Show. And we're coming to you live from, of course, our studio in Washington, D.C., right here on Capitol Hill. Join us in saying hello to the American Federation of Government Employees uh, under President J. David Cox. Good men and women who keep our federal agencies running day in and day out. Uh, They wake up proud to go to work and serve America every day. Uh, Check out more of their good work at AFGE.com. By the way, I don't know whether you saw uh, yesterday on the front page of the New York Times, a big article about the religious left with two of our really good friends of the program, the Reverend William Barber from uh, North Carolina, Uh, We've had on the show several times, and also the Reverend James Wallace right here from Washington, D.C., the head of Sojourners, Reverend Barber, who's the founder of the Great Moral Monday movement. Uh, It was nice to see uh, some recognition for the great work they're doing to to tell people what Christianity is all about. It has nothing to do with what Pat Robertson or uh, Ralph Reed or... uh, um, or others, Jerry Fowler and others believe t- tell you that it's all about. It's a really, really great read. I yeah, mean, there are a yeah. lot of people who consider themselves to be progressives, who also consider themselves to be religious, and the right wing has done so much damage to religion in general over the past several generations that, yeah. like, it's it's hard to be a progressive religious person, but like the fight is real. Look, Jesus was a liberal, so we should all be liberals. All right, so there you go. Now, this the exciting thing this week is that this is Workforce Development Week. Uh, yes, so announced by the White House on the heels of a hugely successful Infrastructure Week. And to come in and tell us all about Workforce Development Week <laughs> and what this means, we are pleased to welcome Adam, Adam Walner here from the, uh, uh, from the National Journal. I guess the National Journal's 
probably turned all of you loose on the workforce, workforce development. development. That's right. <laughs> That's all we're focusing. Last week was all infrastructure. This week, all workforce development. Yeah. <laughs> How many articles did you write about infrastructure last week? Uh, I personally wrote zero, though I will say I'm a colleague of mine, I think, did write one or two. So oh, we, you know, right? we did, did, some, did some coverage. But I think the coverage was mostly, well, here's why it's, you know, everything that the Trump White House wants to do probably is not even going to happen on infrastructure anyway. Um, so, yeah, certainly that week did not go according to plan. And something tells me this week won't either. <laughs> well, uh, if you looked at Donald Trump's over the week uh, tweets over the weekend, right? They they were not necessarily focusing on uh, no workforce yes. development. Yeah, yeah. When, when the president himself is not on message with the White House, I think that's a, a good sign that you have a problem. Right. <laughs> uh, other than promoting uh, daughter Ivanka's appearance this morning on Fox and Friends, yes, last night and again this morning, he was doing that because she is uh, the champion of the. Whatever work for whatever the hell workforce development <laughs> we get, maybe there's a little more attention to uh, Donald Trump's news conference on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, where he blasted James Comey, of course, again ta- calling him uh, the uh, the leaker. He's a leaker. He's a leaker. No collusion. No obstruction. Uh, no collusion. <laughs> no obstruction. Uh, so they 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 took what. Uh, Adam, most of us watching thought was very damning testimony by James Comey and said it was all a big plus for Donald Trump. Right. I think, you know, probably the, the best thing that the Trump White House could could point to from Comey's hearing was that, you know, there wasn't a quote unquote smoking gun. Of course, you, there rarely are in these sorts of hearings. But I think Comey's testimony really did add, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, you know, there's still a lot of smoke here, and this added a lot to that in the sense of, especially in terms of obstruction of justice. You know, the way Comey kind of described um, his, his meetings with Trump, you know, kind of the big ones that had been reported ahead of time, one about whether or not Trump demanded loyalty from him, and two about sort of uh, how he went about asking Comey to end the investigation into Flynn. And I think kind of the important things there were, one, in, in terms of loyalty, Comey himself said that he, he kind of got the sense that, you know, he wasn't just demanding loyalty and, and that was the end of it. He felt like that that was sort of uh, a prerequisite for him keeping his job. And same with regards to uh, the, whether or not he wants to end the Flynn investigation. You know, a lot of people have focused on the exact language Trump used. You know, I hope you can let this go. Of course, you know, when your boss is telling you to do something like that, as Comey said, he took it as a directive. So I think those were two pretty big pieces of evidence. But, of course, at this point, it is Comey's word versus Trump's word. Uh, Comey, though, is the only one who has testified under oath. Trump, so far, has only made his comments in, in news conferences and, and such. So um, at the moment, I suppose you have to kind of decide who's um, – whose narrative you believe. (laughs) So um, when Trump volunteers to testify under oath, either in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee or, or I guess, to be deposed Mm -hmm. by the The the, special counsel, by the special Mm -hmm. counsel, um, uh, is is that something the White House really wants? I mean, (laughs) do you think if they had, this was Trump, Trump obviously just shooting from the hip, but if they had thought about it twice, maybe they would have said, hmm, this may not be such a good idea. Right. And, and you know, I was talking, you know, last week in sort of the, the run up to Comey's hearing, just talking with some lawyers and legal scholars about, you know, you know, one, you know, the exact definition of obstruction of justice and things like that. And, and those types of cases are pretty difficult to prove. But what a lot of people were telling me is that, you know, really the, the real danger for, for Trump and for the White House is could be in, in these interviews, you know, if the, if the special counsel is trying to talk to to Trump under oath, to talk to White House staff under oath, you know, at that point, if they're providing, you know, misleading information or even false information, then that's when they could really start to get into trouble. So, you know, at, at this point, even though, you know, there may, you know, there's some 
some evidence that maybe at least pointing in the direction of obstruction of justice, those cases are really hard to prove. And of course, you know, if we would get to that oh. point, the Justice Department, mm-hmm. Justice Department themselves would have to bring that case. But um, you know, if, if Trump would uh, decide to, to answer questions under oath, I mean, that, that's when uh, he could really find himself in some hot water. Uh, he, he, I mean, whatever you think of him, he's a man who is so far from reality in so many areas that the idea of Trump under oath, I find just to be sh- 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 jarring. I mean, um, from the size of the crowd on Inauguration Day to Barack Obama tapping his phones at Trump Tower to five million people voting illegally for Hillary Clinton to all the people they bust from Massachusetts to New Hampshire to vote in the primary. I mean, how long is the list right. of things that Donald Trump has said? The idea that you would put him under oath <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and put him in a position where he has to say 100 percent the truth, mm-hmm. I, I think he's genetically incapable of doing that. Yeah, it would take um, <laughs> a lot a lot of coaching to get him there. And, and even that, who knows? Because, you know, as, as you've pointed out, he, this is just kind of what he does. This is his habit of just sort of you know, speaking off the cuff. And by the way, a friend of mine pointed this out over the weekend. He has testified, he probably, with all of the lawsuits he's been involved in, right, he probably has testified and lied under oath hundreds of times already in his career, gotten away with it. He certainly has, yeah, like you mentioned, he has a lot of experience uh, already in this. Right? I bet if you went back and looked at those trials, and some enterprising reporter is going to do so and look at the testimony, he has said things under oath that are not true. So far, he's gotten away from this. This would could be this could be a there, little bit there different. Was, there was a lot of really great reporting <laughs> about Trump when he was in New York City. It, that yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to say went got ignored during the general election, but I don't think everybody paid as much attention to it as they should have. But even when he got in deep trouble in New York, he he sort of skated, right? Like he paid a couple fines and he mm-hmm. moved on. Yeah. And any time that there was a trial or anything like that, he sort of skirted around it with you know by either paying his way out of it or having other people sort of t- carry the, the the burden for him. But I, I don't know that he's seen anything quite like what's coming at him now. No. Uh, by the way, so I don't want you – I don't want anybody to get the impression that uh, Fox and Friends is at all slanted uh, in the morning. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I did just notice that Ivanka Trump was on Fox and Friends at the top of this hour, and now Kellyanne Conway is on Fox and Friends. So I just don't – don't think that they're tilted toward yeah. the Trump White House at all. All right. So uh, there will be – right now it's um, Donald Trump's word versus James Comey's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latest poll out this morning shows that for the American people, 46 percent believe James Comey, 26 percent believe Donald Trump. Uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein on State of the Union yesterday on CNN was asked, OK, which of these two dudes do you believe? Well, at this point, I believe the FBI director. I know him the best. I've observed him the longest <laughs> I know he has his own band of integrity. Disagreed with him on the emails. Let him know that monosyllabically. But in this kind of thing, he's not going to lie. It's in him to do this. But so that's it seems the, the advantage now with with Comey. But we will know for sure which one was telling the truth once we hear the tapes. If if there are tapes, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump was asked about that again Friday at the news conference. When are you going to uh, reveal the tapes? Well, I'll tell you about that maybe sometime in the very near future. Hmm. 
maybe sometime in the near, very near future. What do you think, Adam? Are there tapes? Boy, I, I, I have no idea. Although I, I was funny with, with that sound clip. Uh, Bloomberg had a great story last week where, where Trump and the White House, whenever they, they want to promise that something is coming, they usually say it's coming in two weeks. Usually it takes much yeah, longer than yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Here he didn't even bother to put a, a, a timeline on it, which makes me think that um, even if there are tapes, he may not be that eager to release them. Um, Comey said he hopes there are tapes. Um, Lordy. Lordy, Lordy, I hope there are Lordy, tapes. Lordy, I hope there yeah. are tapes. Um, that would be pretty remarkable if there were, if, you know, recorded – Trump was secretly recording people in, in, in the Oval Office. Um, I guess uh, only time will tell on that front. Don't you think – that this is another – it doesn't seem like another Donald Trump fake. I mean, don't you think if there were tapes, they would have released them? Well, maybe. Again, unless, of course, there are evidence, there's evidence on there that would not be so favorable to, to Donald or Trump. Or is Rosemary Woods still working at the White House? <laughs> <laughs> she might have hit the, uh, the erase yeah. button. 18 minutes. Look, <laughs> I, whatever tapes come out of the – if there are tapes and they are released by the White House, I think we should all be dubious yeah, of what yeah. they release. Also true. Also, true. yeah. I, I at this point, I still am very skeptical of their if they even exist. I, I am I, too, <laughs> frankly. Like, I'm not so sure that I believe yeah. that they had it together enough to make that happen. I, Lordy, I, I hope they're taped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but like, I, I don't think that they have them. But if they do, don't believe them. <laughs> Check the tape; they could have been doctored. Uh, but you know, there is a pattern of making these out. Outlandish statements again, like Barack Obama tapping his phones at Trump Tower, and then not not following up with any evidence whatsoever. And they just sort of hope, I think, that eventually people will forget about that, right? Yeah, not not in this case, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, because this is you know every time someone testifies on this, this mm-hmm. this is going to be brought up, like we saw in Comey's hearing, and uh, and certainly members of the White House press corps are going to continue to to ask about it until they get a definitive answer. All right, so we had the Comey testimony last week. Now, where do we go from here? I mean, certainly this Russia thing hasn't just whatever hasn't <laughs> yeah. disappeared, right? Right, exactly. Okay. So, but what are the the next steps that we see? I guess one of them is tomorrow, right? Right. So, or at least we haven't got an official announcement on this yet. But reportedly over the weekend, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions said that he uh, would offer to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee on Tuesday. Now, they're still trying to work out all the details of this. The Intelligence Committee itself has not actually officially announced anything. And it seems that kind of part of the issue here (laughs) is whether or not it would be in an open or a closed session. So obviously, James Comey, uh, he testified in an open hearing, but then he also did a closed hearing afterwards because, of course, you're dealing with a lot of classified information. It sounds like Sessions only wants to do a closed hearing at this point, which is concerning a lot of people on the Intelligence Committee, especially some of the Democrats, including uh, Mark Warner, who's the ranking member there. Democrats have requested uh, that that it be in public, at least like Comey. Yes. Start in public, and then if they're classified elements, then they go behind closed doors. So it sounds like they're still trying to work all that out. Whether or not they can figure everything out by Tuesday, we shall see. But but you know certainly it sounds like you know they they they'd like to get sessions in there sooner rather than later. Um, and there will be plenty of other people to talk to on this front. You but know, both. If we could stop for mm-hmm. sessions for just a second, yeah. because uh, thinking about what sessions might uh, be asked about, certainly one thing are his meetings with the Russian ambassador, and it uh, Comey apparently reportedly told the senators privately last week that there was one additional meeting that Comey had not reported. Right. So, so that would be up to three. I'm sorry, three, that yeah. Sessions had not reported. Right. Yeah, that Sessions had not. So that, that would, would be up, be up to, 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 up to three, three meetings Sessions had with the Russian ambassador. So yeah, so certainly right. he would be asked about that and you could 
I suppose you can understand why Sessions may not be so willing to talk about that sort of thing in public. Right. Um, he, but yeah, that, that would be a. a he will also be asked, of course, I think about um, his recusal from the Russian investigation. Why did you recuse yourself um, from, from, right? Right. And the other thing is that famous February 14 meeting in the Oval Office where Donald Trump asked him to leave and that Sessions had hung around thinking maybe that he felt he should be there. And I, I'm sure, I mean, I, the questions would be, did you know what Donald Trump was going to do? Uh, is that why you stayed around? Or when he asked you to leave, why didn't you say, I think I should be here? I'm the attorney right. general or whatever. But his questions about his conduct uh, and his knowledge of what was coming down at that particular meeting. So there's some important stuff to get into the sessions about. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and this was part of the of the line of question with Comey, too, because, you know, Comey was testifying. Oh, well, you know, he I was you know, he was troubled by this loyalty pledge. He was troubled by the fact that Trump sort of urged him to end the Flynn investigation. He was sort of asked, well, why didn't you really do anything at the at the moment beyond, uh, you know, just kind of writing writing the memos uh, sessions, you know, of course, could be asked, asked similar questions, especially uh, since Comey reportedly, you know, told sessions, I, you know, I, I don't want to be left alone with with President Trump one on one anymore. Right. Um, so. And also the fact that Trump seems to be a little disappointed or confused as to why Sessions did recuse himself. I mean, Trump seems to seem think that was a bad move. So, yeah, Sessions will have a lot of questions to answer, a lot of them that would be uncomfortable to answer in public that may not make his boss look so good. So, uh, again, you can kind of see why he may prefer a closed session, but uh, Democrats certainly think it would be important to have all, all this All right. So as you started to say, public. there are going to be other people they will be calling in, not just se- after Sessions. I'm sure they're going to want to hear from uh, Jared Kushner, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Flynn, I guess, Carter Page. Right. And, and yeah, and they're already having, especially with Flynn, you know, they were having some issues in, in terms of getting you know, documents and information from him. So, you know, the, the degree to which all of these different uh, people are going to, to cooperate uh, remains to be seen. But, but yeah, but, you know, this is going to be stretching out now really throughout the summer, you know, both, you know, until the August recess, the House and Senate Intelligence Committees are going to be continuing their work. Uh, obviously, there's a special counsel now in place at the Justice Department. Their investigation is moving full steam ahead. So, you know, these investigations have been kind of slowly moving along now for a few months. But it seems like that they could really start to, to gain some traction as they get the necessary documents and talk to the necessary people here over the you next know, This, this is a little confusing to me. Maybe you can help uh, straighten it out. Now that Robert Mueller – I'm going to talk to you more about Mueller. But now that Mueller, Mueller is in place, there is a special counsel, and he is conducting his criminal investigation into possible obstruction of justice. What happened to the FBI investigation? Is that still ongoing, or does Mueller subsume the FBI investigation? Right. So yeah, the FBI and DOJ are sort of working together on, on that in, in investigation. I'm not exactly sure, especially now with the special counsel in there. Um, you know, he basically is going to be overseeing all, all the investigations that are going on related. Because especially with the Russia investigation, you know, there, there is you know, there's sort of the, the big, broad investigation of, you know, did they interfere in the election or, or, you know, how they interfere right. in the election and, you know, potential Trump ties um, or, or Trump associates ties to the Russians. And so there are little, you know, kind of like sub investigations within that. And we got a little taste of that with Comey last week because um, this is something that isn't all, always um, uh, 
the specifics of this aren't always laid out, but he, he was basically asked whether he thought uh, the invest when Trump asked uh, Comey to end the investigation to Flynn, whether or not that would impact the broader Russia investigation. And Comey actually said no. He, he viewed those two things as separate, even though they're are touching each other, I think is the way he put it. And certainly uh, there will be some intersection between the two. Um, you know, so there are various kind of investigations going on within the broader umbrella. But the main the main investigation, I mean, you have the Senate and the House, mm-hmm. right? But the main one it's for, for, in terms of Department of Justice is yeah. Mueller, right? Special counsel. Right. And we've learned over the weekend he has hired some very, very prominent, very well-known criminal prosecutor, mm-hmm. criminal investigators, criminal law experts to assist him. So um, the fact is, whatever you think about it, there is a criminal investigation going ongoing with the president of the United States as the object of it and whether or not he obstructed justice. Correct. Well, so at this point, we don't know if, if you know, they're necessarily uh, um, but, investigating obstruction of justice. Certainly, I'm sure that's something that they will probably be looking into. But it's not necessarily something that we would, would know for sure. But I think it's, it's probably fair to assume that's something that they're at least uh, considering. But it is a criminal investigation. So, again... I mean, that's what special counsels do, right? right. You appoint yes. the special counsels. Yeah, because they can actually... yeah, make yeah. Process. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's partially a counterintelligence investigation, right? Especially the, that the, that's more based on the... the um, collusion. The collusion and, right, and whether or not Russians interfered. But, yeah, it, I, there are some criminal aspects of, of this as well. Um, we played this a little earlier, but I'm going to come back to uh, Preet Bahara, who was the, was the U.S. attorney uh, for southern New York, for Manhattan, uh, fired by also fired by Donald Trump uh, when he when Trump fired all or Sessions I guess fired all the mm-hmm. U.S. attorneys. Preet Bharara refused to step down right away. Uh, Donald Trump fired him. Um, he was in the hearing room with James Comey uh, last week, and uh, he was asked by George Stephanopoulos yesterday uh, whether or not uh, there's even sufficient grounds to explore possible obstruction of justice. I think there's absolutely evidence to begin a case. I think it's very important for all sorts of armchair speculators in the law to be clear that no one knows right now whether there is a provable case of obstruction. It's also true, I think, from based on what I see as a third party and out of government, that there's no basis to say there's no obstruction. Yeah. So enough to start an investigation. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. And and. Again, when I was talking to some some lawyers and other legal experts last week, you know, obstruction of justice is, is a very specific term. You know, it's one that gets thrown around a lot. But legally, it can be difficult to prove because, one, you need to, to to really be able to prove intent that, you know, someone was trying to right. purposely obstruct justice. And obstruction of justice is kind of this general term. But you also need to point to, you know, specifically, you know, what proceeding oftentimes, you know, were you obstructing? And the fact that this happened, uh, you know, so early in an FBI investigation, sometimes that can be difficult to prove. But – Again, even if, if we're not sure uh, whether or not there's obstruction of justice, as as he said, there does seem to at least be enough evidence to begin looking in that direction. Well, if I were on the jury, I know how I'd vote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, does, it just seems to me, I, I understand it's a tough legal, it is a tough legal case, but um, there's no doubt that I believe, I, I don't believe there's any doubt that Donald Trump's intent was to stop the investigation of Michael Flynn. I mean, he said, he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. He had fired him the day before. But he said, he's just a good guy. I hope you can see your way clear to stopping this investigation. I think that's what his intent was. And it seems to me he also kind of admitted that the next day or a couple of days later when he had the Russian ambassador and the Russian foreign minister into the Oval Office 
and said to them, basically, I got. I had to get this guy off my back. Right now, mm-hmm. I, now the pressure's off because I fired Comey. He was a nut job. Uh, pretty clear. Yes. Why he fired yeah. Him. Yeah. A lot he of evidence. Fire him. Direction. He didn't fire him because he had been mean to Hillary Clinton. Uh, the way he handled her emails. Right. Uh, right. And, and that's <laughs> yeah. And that explanation. Of so course, how long is this? whole cloud hanging over the White House. How long is this Russian thing going to – how long is this going to play out? I mean, Mueller doesn't have a deadline, correct? Right. That's, that's the thing. It's tough to say. I mean, really, as, as long as it takes, right? Um, you know, it, it's certainly going to stretch on through the summer and probably into – well, into 2018. I mean, th- these things take time. Um, you know, I wouldn't even really know where, where to ballpark it in terms of when we could expect everything to, to wrap up. There's just so much that needs to be looked into and so many different um, investigations that are ongoing right now. Um, I, you know, I think this is this is going to at least stretch. And the other thing is that Mueller. So the Senate Intelligence Committee may or may not have public hearings. Right. Mm-hmm. Robert Mueller's investigation is all behind closed. That's doors, right. So, so really, yeah. So really, the only mm-hmm. indication we're going to get on, on how that is going along <laughs> is, you know, if he would choose to make any any public remarks or just right. kind of reporting that's done in the media. But, yeah, we aren't going to have as clear of of. Um, OK, you know, they're, they're having this hearing this week. Yeah. They're having this hearing next week. Or they're in, uh, talking to this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This guy at least, yeah, the, this, yeah. Right. The Senate and House intelligence committees are at least a little more transparent on that. The front. only way we'll know what Robert Mueller is up to. Uh, hopefully there'll be some good leaks <laughs> out of the de- Trump's, Trump's favorite yeah. out of the Department of Justice. All right. Good work, Adam. Nice to see you again. Thanks so much for coming in. Yeah. Thanks, you can follow Adam and his uh, colleagues, our good friends over at the National Journal at, of course, nationaljournal.com. Theresa May, is she ever going to get out of trouble? We'll find out from Libby Watson next from Gizmodo. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash Show. Yes, it's a beautiful sunny day in Washington, D.C., but there's this big dark cloud hanging over the White House. It's called Russia. Hello, everybody. And it ain't going to go away soon. Good to see you today. Monday, June 12, The Bill Press Show. Here we are together again. I hope you enjoyed the weekend, and there is lots and lots to talk about, mainly because, perhaps, or partly because... Uh, Donald Trump didn't shut up over the weekend. He got back on his phone. He's been tweeting away like mad, attacking uh, James Comey and promoting his daughter's appearance on Fox and Friends this morning. On the important stuff of the day, we will bring you up to date. Uh, and um, the big news of the of the so far of the week is that Jeff, Jeff Sessions, attorney general, is going to get his chance to testify in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee on his role in this whole Russian mess, why he chose to recuse himself, and what he thought about that February 14 meeting in the Oval Office where Donald Trump threw him out of the room before asking 
James Comey to drop the investigation into Michael Flynn. So lots going on. That's why it's good to see you today. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you about your comments on the news of the day at BP on, on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, and we're going to get into this half hour uh, a lot about the British uh, election, what happened, and where we go from here, particularly with Brexit. Libby Watson joins us from Gizmodo. Hello, Libby. Nice Hello. to see you. Nice right. to be back. Look forward to getting into it. Nice to have you back, right? But first, Peter, this for the headlines the of the day. Court press. Just a couple of other stories making news in 2020. The Olympics will be in Tokyo. We knew that. And the IOC on Friday announced that they are adding a new sport, three-on-three basketball. I am very much in favor of this idea. Hmm. So normally, of course, it's five players on each team. They play full court. So there's three on three. You play half court. The rules are a little bit different, uh, but that is going to be added. No word yet on how that – because there is no, like, real serious three-on-three organization that organizes these basketball games. Well, there is this summer for the first time. There will be this Ice Cube has started to leak. That doesn't count. (laughs) That's not a washed up NBA players. That's but. not a really. But so they're not. They didn't say like maybe they'll have actual NBA players on a three on three team or how that's all going to work. But they will be adding that for the Summer Olympics. So I, I like that. I'm here I'm, for it. I'm all. I'm all for. I'm all for that. There was a Powerball. Uh, but why? What do you mean why? Why have why? the Olympics in general? It's no, but I mean, yeah, feats of strength and things like that. They have a f- basketball is. Is this the sport with the real basketball? Why have a half-assed basketball? Oh, it's not half-assed. I, I, you just said it yourself. What's well, a half-court? I didn't say half-assed. It's a half-court, Bill. <laughs> you know, I mean, they have okay. other sports that are team sports, right. and then they, they scale it back. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, in California, yes. it was a sole-winning Powerball ticket. I know. Worth $447.8 million, matched God. all six numbers. It was sold at the Marietta Liquor and Deli in Minifee, California. It's a popular hangout for Bill. Seems, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where you go when you go back to California, right? That's where I buy my lottery tickets. The earliest that the ticket can be redeemed. Unfortunately, not that one. Is 8 a.m. on Monday uh, today. Mm. So just in a couple of hours, the winner has one year to claim the prize. Nobody has claimed it yet, Bill. And where exactly? Minif- Minifee, California. I'm going to have to rely on I you. Have no, to I, I, I have to is. tell you, I thought I knew every nook and cranny in California. Really? Never, you don't know where that is? I never even heard of Southern Minifee. California is all I can tell you. Sounds like it's out maybe in the Riverside, in, Inland Empire maybe. I don't yeah. know. Well, okay. if you're listening and you, you, you bought, you've you been to the, the liquor in Delhi. Get out there and cash in your... Yeah. Yeah. Happy. One final quick story. Uh, Puerto Rico over the weekend voted wow. to become the 51st state. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they will become the 51st state. The Wall Street Journal says... Damn, I'm going to have to get a new flag. 97% voted for statehood. Yeah. Although they said only 23% showed up to vote. Which, in the past, that's got them in trouble. For, like, they voted for this in the past, but not enough people actually voted. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'd be, fi- I'd be fine with... On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yep, what the bloody hell is happening? That's what we want to know. Uh, (laughs) 
about Brexit, uh, about the UK and about Brexit and whether uh, Donald Trump will even be invited to to visit. All of those good questions we get into. Hello, everybody. It is the uh, Bill Press Show on this Monday, June 12. It's great to see you. Thank you for joining us. We get so uh, wrapped up in our politics sometimes that we forget what's happening uh, with our good friends uh, we don't want to do that. Uh, that, that happen. We don't, don't want to be guilty of that. So we'll try to branch out a little bit here with your help. Uh, and it's good to see you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. That's where most of you find us. Uh, unless you're watching on Free Speech TV, we welcome all of our free speech viewers as well. All of our good friends out in Chicago, the Chicago area on WCPT. Into the big news of the week, Libby Watson here from Gizmodo. You can follow her, of course, at Gizmodo, G-I-Z, Gizmodo.com. So um, what did happen, Libby? (laughs) Uh, Well— I I, I mean, Theresa May didn't call this election because she wanted to lose. No, absolutely. She called it because she thought she was going to increase her majority massively um, because— she perceived the opposition in the Labour Party as weak, uh, which I think was fair enough. Like um, Jeremy Corbyn became leader in 2015. And since then, he has kind of struggled to, um, I would say, <laughs> uh, beat certain perceptions about him, um, about him. Basically, just, you know, he kept making uh, political mistakes and sort of strategic were sort of weird mistakes like uh you know not singing the national anthem at at, at events and stuff which <laughs> you know and because of basically because of his uh, leftist politics that uh you know he he for example has in the past supported the abolition of the monarchy um so it was which you know same um yeah i'm all for it by yeah the way. it's the dumbest thing in the world yeah um, so that enabled the press to paint him as a kind of loony lefty. Anyway, so Theresa May, knowing so she that, she saw an opportunity, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, her justification was that she wanted a mandate going into Brexit because obviously last year she became leader as a result of a conservative. So party. she called this election how mu- how far ahead of time? Um, it was I, I don't know about eight weeks, six weeks, which is how it all. No, no, no. But I mean, the, there would have been a normal election or regular. Oh, I see. Election. It would have been in twenty twenty. Oh, so, so like three time. years ahead, yeah. she said, let's have an election right. now because right. I want one because exactly. this is going to be good right. for me. Can I also say, like, the way that, that the elections get done there, it's like a two-month thing. Yeah. No, it's great. It's I way love better. that. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, it's it's a lot better. Um, and there was a, there was actually a, a 2011 law that was supposed to kind of stop prime ministers calling elections whenever they wanted um, <laughs> because, you know, that has been a problem in the past. Um but, you know, the, the the law said that, you know, they can still call an election if they get two thirds vote in parliament. And it's it's pretty hard for the opposition to be like, no, no, we don't want an election. We're yeah, scared. So, yeah. you know, it just kind of happened. So she calls the election and then um, she went off to, to, to romp to victory and it didn't quite work out that did way. did not work out that way. No, um, she ran a terrible campaign. I mean, objectively, even Tories now are admitting the Tories are the Conservative Party. And even they are admitting that she didn't run a good campaign. Um, I think partly just because, like we said, you know, she she was complacent and didn't think, you know, it would be difficult at all. Um, she the, the one of the biggest uh, stumbling blocks for her was <laughs> that little thing called her party's manifesto. You know, the things they actually believe and want wanted to do. Um, so the first the first problem of that was uh, this thing that was <laughs> nicknamed the dementia tax. Uh, which is this idea, it was basically about how um, social care, you know, government paid care for the elderly would be paid for 
uh, and they had changed the policy so that basically if you if your house was worth more than a hundred thousand pounds they would sort of take the value of your house to pay for your social mm. care which everybody thought was outrageous because obviously you know in cases like dementia where you know you might be in social care for a long time you know it's a long slow decline uh then that's going to end up costing a lot. And so people nicknamed it the dementia tax. It was, everyone was outraged. And then they had to walk back the policy. They had to do a U-turn, mm. which yeah. is just, you know, the worst thing you can do. Uh, so there was that. And then she, for some reason, didn't turn up to the debates. She refused to debate refused Jeremy to Corbyn. Debate. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, which I think, you know, may have been a smart political move, you know, before, you know, I mean, obviously they decided to do that when they called the election. And that might have been a smart political move if Jeremy Corbyn had turned out to be as bad a campaigner as they thought, but he just wasn't. He was a very good campaigner and, you know, Labour were rising in the polls and they started 20 points down. Um, and, you know, over time they just rose and rose and yet she still wouldn't debate him. She sent her home secretary to debate him instead, which is, it was just, it was really embarrassing, honestly. Whoa. Uh, but still, uh, the Conservative they won more seats than right. They, they won more seats than Labour, but they have less seats than they had when they called the election, which is really the whole point. Um, yeah, right. Yes. So yeah. It's, yeah. It is an amazing cell phone. Um, but yeah, so they still they still have more seats, and it looks like they're going to form a very shaky, not quite coalition government, um, but strike a deal with the Ulster Unionist Party from Northern Ireland, which is a very small party, right? Very small, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. it gives them basically exactly the number of seats that they need to have just a majority, uh, mm-hmm. which means if they lose, you know, one vote, then right. So why did she? Wh- why did she go see the Queen the day after? Is that I think obligatory? That's just, yeah, it's just sort of traditional. It's just what you do. She basically you have to ask to form a government. Um, yeah, that's the thing that I. I mean, look, I, I'll plead some ignorance here. <laughs> like, I don't totally so, understand this whole building a a, a a new government. Like, how does that? Right. W- what the hell is happening? Well, I think the best way to understand it is just to understand that. You know, the government has to come out of parliament. We have a fused system where the executive is part of parliament. And so the only way a government can exist is if there is a majority in parliament. You know, if there is a party that has a majority that can command votes for its its policies. Um, And, you know, like having the majority in parliament gives them the legitimacy to govern. Uh, So at this point, they're the largest party, but... Uh, because they don't have a majority, if all the other if all the other parties ganged up on them, then yeah. they wouldn't be able to get their their stuff passed. Um, so they need to strike a deal with another party, or you know some combination of other parties to, uh, you know to get that to get to that three twenty six point. Yeah. Um, in two thousand ten, the same thing happened, and there was a what we call a hung parliament where no party had a majority, and they struck a deal with the Liberal Democrats. Um, and that was basically what happened there was that the Liberal Democrats just went along with everything that the Conservative Party did. And, mm. you know, they uh, the Liberal Democrats has been the smallest, you know, the, the smaller party, the third biggest party for years and years now. So they sort of tried to cling into this yeah. coalition government, but didn't get any of their priorities right. through. So Jeremy Corbyn and others have called on Theresa May, called on Theresa May immediately to step down. Right. right? She had lost uh, America. The British people had lost confidence in her. Uh, will she? It's really hard to say. I mean, I have learned my lesson about not predicting things. I predicted that she would win, and here we are. Um, I would say it really just depends on internal Tory party uh, machinations, which I have no insight into. I have always suspected that uh, Boris Johnson may 
have it out for her because last year after Brexit, when there was the leadership... Former mayor of London. Former mayor of London, now foreign secretary. Uh, and Full-time sort of goofball. Man with yeah. silly hair, yeah. right, exactly. And that's the whole reason he's popular is because he has silly hair. It's yeah. the most ridiculous thing. Well, uh, yeah, you're not the only one that have that problem. <laughs> right. Ha- yeah. yeah, a lot of people have drawn that comparison. I, I can't really say whether he's worse or better. Um but yeah, so last year there was the leadership crisis after David Cameron stepped down after Brexit. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought Boris Johnson was going to step up. And then sort of out of nowhere, he said, actually, no, I'm not going to run. And it was it was kind of thanks to Theresa May that that happened. She she kind of pushed him out. Yeah. So uh, we suspect what, that he might have it out for her. What impact, if any, did the uh, terrorist attack uh, the Sunday before the election have on the outcome of the election? It, yeah, again, that's hard to say. I, I have to say when that happened and when Manchester happened, I thought that, you know, I instinctively thought that that would help the Tories because, you know, yeah. in general, yeah. Strong and stable, help the government in in power, and you know they have a harder line on on these things. Uh, and obviously, the other thing is that Jeremy Corbyn has faced criticism for uh, w- you know what his critics call his friendliness to Hamas and to the IRA in the past. Mm-hmm. So I thought you know maybe the the you know Jeremy Corbyn is a terrorist line uh, might help. Uh, but it you know I don't think it did. I don't think it it played out that way. Partly because. Um, Corbyn was very successful Certainly in. Didn't help. I don't. You know, I, maybe she would have lost more. But. Maybe, yeah. Or it's hard to say. But uh, Corbyn was very good at uh, pivoting that to talk about uh, cuts to the police um, and how Theresa May, both as Prime Minister and as Home Secretary before she was Prime Minister, oversaw. Uh, you know, cuts to the police force and how right. if, if Labour was in charge, then they would fund the police because they want to fund all public services more. So that was that was a pretty successful way, I think. Yeah, she turned out to around. be vulnerable in the area of national security, having been Home Secretary exactly. before. Exactly. Uh, I mean, there was, you know... When this happened, you know, it may never be fair, but as we say, it happened on her watch. Exactly. Right? So, exactly, yeah. That, and the fact that it happened twice in two yeah. weeks um, or three weeks. And, uh, you know, and also, I mean, Corbyn... After that happened, he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, not that not that Britain, not in any way that Britain was to blame, but that the war on terror has created more, you know, radi- you know, radicalization and that the war on terror will lead to more of these things. And obviously the Tories tried to turn that into, oh, you know, Jeremy's blaming, blaming us. And it, there was a poll and it turned out that m- most Britons agreed with that. So it didn't really mm. work as, a, right. as an attack. All right. So then the question is the big question of, uh, Brexit, as you pointed out, um, uh, allegedly, Theresa May called this election because she wanted to be in a stronger position right. uh, to deal with Brexit. Uh, she spoke yesterday about um, whether she has any second thoughts about moving forward. Uh, <clears throat> doesn't sound like it. Here she is. It became clear that we were the party that had the won most seats and most votes. And I felt it was incumbent on us at a critical time in our country to form a government in the national interest. And that is what I'm doing. Right. Um, I think on the first one, Jamie, she talks just specifically about Brexit. This government will guide the country through the crucial Brexit talks that begin in just 10 days and to deliver on the will of the British people by taking the United Kingdom out of the European Union. So... Still planning to do that? Right. Because of uh, a lot of commentators who said after the election, this means Brexit's never going to happen. Right. Yeah. I... So does she have the authority single-handedly to 
I mean, the people did vote. Right. right? Now, does she have the authority to make it happen? Right. Well, not only did the people vote, but also Parliament voted afterwards yes, to, right. you know, Article 50 and, you know, tell the EU we're leaving. Um, so there is the, there's the question of authority. And then there's the question of dealing with the EU itself, you know, going back to the EU with our tail between our legs and saying, I'm sorry, actually, we didn't mean it. Um, first of all, it does. It definitely makes it harder to negotiate a good exit um, when we're in crisis like that. Uh, as she said, the negotiations are supposed to start next week. Um, some of her ministers have been saying this morning, uh, actually, might might not start next week. We might seek to delay that until oh, we delay have the a, talks. Exactly until we have, you know, for example, a government um, would be helpful. Um, so I guess we're maybe missing a point here. So, so the UK cannot unilaterally withdraw. They have to negotiate the terms of their well they could that was actually part, part of the out. that was part of the campaign as well whether the the question of whether uh, you know any deal is better than no deal they could leave without a deal they could just walk away uh but the question is then like dealing with the eu to try and negotiate better terms on things like the single market you know being able to trade with the eu um immigration you know all, all the stuff that is good about the eu that we want to yeah, keep yeah. the question since brexit has been how do we keep all the good stuff about being in the eu like being able to go to and from france without right. you know yeah. without worry um, guess what you, you can't you exactly can't. No, exa- right yeah, right, right. Yeah. The, no i mean this was part of the i i fully blame the the leave campaign for just the out and out lies they told about about I mean you know the the famous one is that they said that that uh, Britain would have three hundred and fifty million pounds extra each year for the NHS if we left the EU that was just a straight up lie and within a week they were saying oh yeah by the way that's not true so <laughs> and, you know yeah. and all these people voted for Brexit on those terms um, anyway so. It's it's it is I you know like I said really don't want to do any more predictions because I really got burned on this one, um, but I don't know I like you like you said the people voted for it and Article Fifty has been sent so it's it's hard to imagine a t- total rollback but we might end up with a softer Brexit than Theresa May had been campaigning on. Could is there any way you could end up with a uh, a recount? Uh, I mean not a recount. Another but, uh, referendum. Yeah right. A retake. Right. I mean, that is possible. The other thing, of course, to remember is that we might end up with another general election in a few months because Theresa May's majority is so shaky. uh, And Corbyn is absolutely pushing for another general election, uh, which is a good idea on his part because polls are showing that Labour is now like ahead of the Tories in in terms of popular vote in in the polls. The last poll I saw was had them at 45 percent to the Conservatives, 39, which is you know, election aside, that was unimaginable, you know, two months ago. It's truly incredible. So um, is Jeremy Corbyn the Bernie Sanders of the UK? He kind of is. Um, and, you know, he's Bernie has, has interacted with Corbyn and said said that he thinks he's great. I think Bernie actually went and visited the UK recently. Yeah. Uh, also, fun fact, Bernie Sanders' brother ran yeah, for right. MP in Oxford. Uh, he was he was on the Green Party, though, so he didn't get many oh. votes. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I I think there's absolutely a lot of parallels. I would say, I mean, I would actually say Bernie is is a lot more mainstream than than Corbyn, which makes sense because uh, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, yeah. but you know, it, Bernie Sanders is the most popular politician in America, um, and I don't know whether Jeremy Corbyn is personally the most popular politician in in the UK, um, but also you know, as the as with all things, the UK is slightly to the left of uh, of the US in terms of politics. Our, our Conservative Party are a lot closer to 
American Democrats than they are to the Republicans. Hmm. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, Bernie Sanders, for as much of of some crazy liberal as right. he's been painted here in America, is really just kind of a throwback to what Democrats used to be. Exactly. So it's not some like new wave crazy liberal that's storming america it's just sort of a return to where mainstream democrats used to be right so like this whole idea that uh you know america is some conservative nation i think bernie sanders is the is the correct answer to that right i fully agree and i you know i think uh my colleague uh alex perine said it best which is that you know Democrats tend to assume that their policies are unpopular, whereas Republicans tend to assume that everyone loves their policies. Right. And again, in the government, it turns out, oh, actually, people hate dismantling health care and getting rid of Social Security and stuff, whereas Democrats are always operating under the assumption that they have to sort of sneak their policies by people. <laughs> um, I yeah. think because of the experience of the last 30 years, especially since, since Reagan, uh, but that just... That's just not the case. Um, and I think Bernie Sanders has shown that. You know, there is like widespread appeal. Same thing with Jeremy Corbyn. If you go out and you say, we want to fund healthcare, we want to fund tuition fees, we want to fund all these things that make <laughs> life a little better, it ends up being popular. So uh, um, I want to look at the big picture with you. I lo- try to. Is that, you know, it looked like there was a trend. You know, Brexit happens, Donald Trump saluted that, everybody else over here would sort of bemoaned it. Donald Trump said, I think this is great. Then yeah. Donald Trump is elected. He's Mr. Brexit. Right, Mr. Brexit. And then everybody thinks, oh boy, this is going to, this this nationalism or whatever is going to sort of sweep across Europe. And, right. and then in the Netherlands, it didn't happen. And then in France, Macron was elected, right? right. Not Le Pen. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, in, you know, what's the... Does that mean that this Donald Trump slash Brexit movement has sort of run out of gas? And now Theresa May loses. Right. So. God, I hope so. I would argue that, I mean, obviously it's difficult to, to tease these things out, but I would say that part of the thing that fueled both Brexit and Trump wasn't just up and up nationalism, racism, although those are absolutely part of it and a huge motivating factor for way too many people. But I think the reason that they were able to tip over that 50% mark was reasons other than nationalism and racism, which was, you know, basically economic populism. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Trump, Trump, in his utterly insane way you know was going out there saying a lot of saying a lot of things that actually weren't all that republican he does it to this day talking about funding you know more dollars for for health care is the thing he says which is not what republicans want to do in any way but this is yeah. the stuff that he said and it it kind of you know worked so i think there's there is a global backlash against elites and the establishment is what it is um and in some sometimes then that coalition ends up being one of an uncomfortable one of, of racists and people who have been, you know, downtrodden, which often overlap. Um, and in other, in other cases, it ends up being Jeremy Corbyn, which is obviously way preferred. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, in a very particular way, it's announced today that the White House is postponing uh, Donald Trump's yes. planned visit to the U.K. <laughs> uh, um, how would he be received were he to go there today? I, you know, I almost wish it was still happening just so I could see the, the look on his face. Uh, it would, yeah, I, I do not think it would be, well, it's, you know, if 
it obviously I don't think it would ever have been well received. Uh, Trump is not popular there, um, and you know obviously the the British people are way to the left. And you know there were protests in in London as well about you know when when he did the travel ban that that was yeah that was absolutely unpopular. I think there would have been huge protests. But after what he said about Sadiq Khan, the mayor I was of just London, going to say yeah right. He would go to London. I I really can't imagine the the scale of the protest. I think they would be massive and they would be really <laughs> unpleasant for him. Um I think Would the mayor receive him? Oh, I I I I would hope not. I don't think I don't think he would. Sadiq has been pretty good about about, you know, pushing back on Trump and uh and Jeremy Corbyn too. Jeremy Corbyn said that, you know, Trump should cancel his state visit, uh, you know, after Sadiq Khan the the Sadiq Khan comments and the Paris uh withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Um so there isn't there isn't much love for him there. Um Oh, it, it, I I agree with you. I'd love to see him go oh, and just be so funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even when he visited in, I want to say, I think it was early 2016 or maybe late 2015, uh, he went to Scotland, obviously, because he has Wait, his... He went to his golf course his to talk about how... golf course, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't well received there. Um, so I, I can't imagine it being, being... I mean, you know, obviously these events are always very carefully orchestrated. I'm sure they would be able to come up with ways that he wouldn't have to interact with people too much. But I also think Brits are very good at shouting well, the traditional... across <laughs> across the whole... <laughs> Uh, the traditional visit, of course, is the President of the United States received by the Queen at Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Would she? Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like the, the Queen doesn't have much latitude to make sort of political decisions. It's very hard for her to, you know, she's the head of state. Uh, I think it, it's very hard for the Queen to do things that are, uh, you know... It's very hard for the Queen to make her, her, her mind up about much. You know, she's really just a figurehead. She just, you know, she just does... I mean... So how long are you going to continue this comedy of the royal family? Oh God! I mean, I, <laughs> I have, always, I've been opposed to having a royal family for many, many years, and I also can't imagine how it would happen that we would get rid of it. It would have to be, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's just the way, you know, in Britain, the way things have always been done politically. We don't even have a written constitution, so everything works by just everyone agreeing this is how we do it, all right, and this, <laughs> this is. <laughs> This has worked, so we won't we won't mess with it. You don't have a constitution. We don't have a single written constitution. The constitution is derived from a number. Of, this is like A level politics again. You derived could learn from a number of, from your former colony. I, I know I it's really embarrassing, <laughs> super embarrassing. Uh, so there are a number of documents that lay out rights. You know, I mean, like the seventeenth century Bill of Rights and things, oh, but yeah. also the Human Rights Act and uh, a number of uh, sort of books written about Parliament in the nineteenth century that deal with how Parliament should work. It's tr- truly crazy. Um, but because of that, we don't really have. Well, a, I like how things are just running the honor system over I'll there. I'll tell you Basically how you can is, get yeah. rid of the royal family: just cut off their money. Well, absolutely, and it is. I mean, no. <laughs> make them go out and get a job. <laughs> I would love to see the queen in the in the queue oh at the, the welfare office. Absolutely, I think that would be great. I mean, I, let's say we'll let her live out her life, but then yeah. end it right there. Just say no more money for the royal family. You I would know, absolutely I, agree. Yeah. I mean, will, will Charles ever be king? I I don't know. I mean, I, or will I, they leap to William? I I mean, I think that's probably what Charles would prefer. He he seems to be quite happy, you know, doing his garden and and pottering around. Um, I but I I have to say, I have to throw my hands up and say I'm not a royal expert in any way. I mean, when the when the royal wedding happened, I was living in California and people were just always congratulating me and <laughs> saying like you must you be so excited Charles and, and no um Camilla? what was her name uh, William and Kate oh yeah um, oh, William and Kate. in 2011 oh, yes, oh, and right. i was like i don't know anything about this and i don't really i don't really care aren't you so happy for I, them i know and like when they had their kids and stuff i was just like oh, oh that's right they, yeah, they had kids yeah and i just it 
I just don't I don't know I honestly I honestly don't know um but yeah I mean I would love to see the the monarchy dissolved but it would it would take a pretty huge uh I don't want to say revolution, but... Get rid of all of them and make Lord Buckethead king of England. <laughs> I fully agree. That's all Lord I want. Lord Buckethead. Lord Buckethead. I would swear allegiance to Lord Buckethead. Did you Buckethead. see Lord Buckethead? No, no. There's a guy that was actually running named Lord Buckethead, oh. and you know what? He wears a bucket on his head. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this thing in the UK, so if you want to run in a in a parliamentary constituency, you basically just have to pay like a thousand pounds to be able to get on, on stage with. Oh, yeah. And so whoever... You know the leaders of the parties. They know that those people oh. are going to be on TV, and so yeah. there's always some nutters who like oh. pay the thousand pounds and you know run for parliament there, and they get like a hundred votes or two hundred votes. Lord Buckethead got two hundred and fifty votes, which is not bad, I would say. <laughs> uh, but he's just better than Vermin Supreme, right? Right. He's just this dude wearing. He was wearing like a sort of Darth Vader getup, but with this huge sort of like Monty Python esque <laughs> bucket on his head, um, and so he became the the meme du jour. Uh, do the uh, you say uh, uh, your views about the royalty you've made pretty clear? <laughs> what what are the views of the British people? Do they just sort of go along with it? I mean, have, there must have been lots of polls conducted on whether or not we should. I I would guess that uh, among older people they are wildly popular, and if you mention the notion really? of of getting yeah. rid of the the monarchy huh. to older people, they would say, "How dare you!" Uh, but among younger people, I think like myself, it's it's more more of a I don't care thing. But the other thing is that it's just not a political priority, and it's very probably never going to be a political priority. I think if if a member of the royal family did something, uh, you know, overstepped their bounds, if the queen, you know, said, oh, by the way, I think Theresa May sucks, then that would be the kind of thing that would create a, a constitutional mm. crisis, and then we yeah. might be able to have the discussion. But if the royal family just keeps pottering along and waving at people and opening supermarkets or whatever, then it's it's not really it's not really ever gonna it's not really ever gonna rise to the you know to the top of the the pile of issues. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of other stuff going on. So well, the queen, she's got the wave down. She's, she's really got that wave down. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating to watch. It really is, Libby. Thanks so much for coming in today. Anytime. Right. Yeah, and uh, now we'll have to see what happens with uh, Emmanuel Macron, his parliamentary elections in France, very soon. which looks like could go very well for him too. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, Gizmodo, gizmodo.com. And when we come back, Matt Fuller joins us from HuffPost. Uh, What was happening in Congress last week while we were all focusing on James Comey? We're going to find out. Stay with us. I think he's a a, a tiny little uh, bully uh, and uh, the barter zone being a tiny little criminal. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On a Monday, Monday, June 12, here we go. It is The Bill Press Show, booming out to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, joining you wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours on YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show on Free Speech TV, on WCPT out in Chicago, Good to see you today. Hug a teacher today and say thank you to the American Federation of Teachers, good men and women of the AFT under President Randy Weingarten, making a difference uh, in the classrooms of America every day. We salute them and thank them for their sponsorship of the uh, program. 
Uh, we were all focused on James Comey last week. Uh, Congress wasn't was focused on uh, maybe getting some other stuff done. Matt Fuller covers Congress for the Huff Huffington Post, now called Huff Post. Yeah, if you're fashionable. <laughs> Joining in studio, hey Matt, how you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah. All right, how's the new name working? Is everybody? Uh, you know, you get a lot of the stumbling, the Huff Post, and you know, Huffington, so there's a lot of that. But I think. You know, that was basically what we called ourselves. It looks good. So, yeah. And the website it's looks slick. great. And yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is still under full steam. <laughs> yeah. So um, the House sort of slipped a couple of things through last week, right, while uh, yeah, nobody think, was looking. Well, that's uh, – the, the, again, that was sort of uh, – maybe that the spin on it that, you know, we're, we're doing this in secret. But in truth, Republicans were very happy to tell you about all their action in this Financial Choice Act, which was basically a major repeal of the Dodd-Frank Act. Um it wasn't like they were trying to sneak it through. They were very proud of the fact that they were doing this. And um, basically it would fundamentally gut Dodd-Frank. And this has been something that you know Republicans have been calling for for years. But if you break it yeah, down, yeah. it's just you know basically giving away less regulation to Wall Street, and which I don't know if that was the message of the election or not. But <laughs> it's certainly something that they seem to have embraced. It, it is so funny. We were just talking about this with Libby Watson about how – Democrats feel like they have to sort of sneak their policies in. Bill, with this, he's been pouring his gin for the morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have to sneak their policies in and act like they're so unpopular. And Republicans act like their policies, which are fairly unpopular, yeah. are the most popular thing. In the Donald Trump even tweeted about the Dodd Frank stuff yeah. over the weekend. Congratulations to Jeb Hensling and Republicans on successful <laughs> House vote to repeal major parts of the 2010 Dodd Frank financial law growth. <laughs> right, growth. That's well, so, I mean, I, the thing is, Democrats have always had a problem with the messaging on Don Frank because no one really knows what's in it. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a complex law for a complex financial institution, financial system, really. And it's not easily defined as one thing. It's not just like it doesn't just create the uh, CFPB, the Consumer Financial Bureau, Protection Bureau. It's, it's, it's a web of different things and regulations and um income capital thresholds and all sorts of complex things. So when you just say, oh, I'm against financial regulation and I want to you know, take off the restrictor plate of this, of this economy, that's a very simple message that I think a lot of people can kind of say, oh, yeah, let's get behind that. And Wall Street, you know, they continue to go apeshit over anything that Trump does that you could possibly construe as positive for them. So, Well, I think the, the unspoken maybe or unreported truth about Dodd-Frank is it's too damn weak. I mean, it really <laughs> didn't do anything to all. I mean, if you look today, post Dodd Frank, yeah. the same banks are still there, right. bigger than ever, making more money than ever, and now they're back to playing some of the same games so, that they were playing. Um, they can still in, uh, roll the dice with your money and mine, right? right. They're they're playing the same games that led us to the crash of twenty two thousand eight. Yeah, I had I had a I have a friend who uh, so, works on Wall Street who I I just asked him what he thought <laughs> of this piece of legislation because he basically his entire job is job is following Dodd Frank and uh, making sure that they're in compliance with these sorts of things. And his basic take is, you know, there are clearly things you could do to Dodd Frank to beef it up. There are clearly yeah, things if you right. want to you could take away some things, but uh, this approach didn't seem to be doing. Anything constructive. It was just like let's remove all these huge regulations and give a bunch of sops to industry that is yeah. very fundamental of Jeb Hensling. The one thing I will say is that, uh, and and re Republicans do have a, a messaging strength here, is that they're saying 
uh, community banks have been hurt by Dodd-Frank, which they have. I mean, uh, the, the yeah, you right. know, compliance to those regulations for them is difficult. So, Sure. Th- they don't have the resources right. of a Goldman Sachs. Right, right. And in, in some ways, because of that, uh, you have all these community banks failing or, or just closing up shop. And Goldman Sachs, you know, they're obviously going to get rich no matter what scenario. Uh, so they figured this out and the big banks have figured it out. Um, so when Republicans say, hey, this is about fairness and, you know, trying to unleash the market for local economies, there's a there's a messaging strength there. Uh, Democrats counter, well, if, if this were about helping community banks, like we'd be there for you. That's not what this bill really is. Um, and, you know, frankly, they're generally right about that. So they moved this through uh, the House uh, by a Strictly Pretty partisan strict party, vote. Party Walter line Jones vote. was the only Republican who broke ranks and voted no. Yeah. Uh, and it goes to the Senate where – Well, right. So the the one thing you can say about – May never be heard from again? Right, well, that's possible. So Jeb Hensling, um, who's – he's got – this is his last term as financial services chairman. Um, he's He's not someone who really works well with the other side, with Democrats or with Senate, the senators. So he he threw this bill together that is still again there's a lot of sops to industry, uh, there's a lot of Republicans who are kind of uncomfortable with some of the things that Hensling does in this, and because of that, it's if it's going to get through the Senate, it's going to have to be fundamentally changed. Obviously, you need eight votes from Democrats to get something like this through. There doesn't seem to be any willingness or or pressure on Democrats to really support something like this, uh, not when it's written as is. And in fact, the administration, the Trump administration, in their statement of administration policy, which is like the basically the veto threat document that comes through before a bill hits the House floor, they basically said, uh, you know, we look forward to working with the Senate on this and getting it it together. Even they were looking at this and saying, man, I don't know why there's, you know, this is not the drain the swamp legislation that uh, I think a lot of voters voted mm. for when they when they voted for Trump. It's not, it's not blowing up the system in the way that they thought. It's blowing up the system for bankers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and and in the Senate, they're taking a different approach. I mean, I saw that saw that uh, um, even Sherrod Brown is part of an effort to revise mm-hmm. Dodd Frank, not to repeal. Right. And or, again, there are things in Dodd Frank that you could. Fix and right. I think uh, does not that's not in dispute. I think from a lot yeah. of Democrats and certainly meanwhile, the community banking thing is a, an issue. Yeah. Meanwhile, how's that um, how's that big uh, tax reform bill doing in the uh, in the Congress? <laughs> it's co- coming along ahead of schedule, as Trump said. Yeah, <laughs> ahead of schedule. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, you know, still unwritten. I think we do we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ahead of no, schedule. Translation meaning there is no right. tax reform bill. Um, the, although you know that we've we have seen some small. Um, Movement. So obviously, the the one big holdup here has been this border adjustment tax, which uh, critics call you know a tariff, and uh, Paul Ryan loves it. Um, a lot of retail that means retailers. I hate it. Right. Paul <laughs> so Ryan easy. loves it. I ah, this is hate this it. is the idea we need to unleash the economy. <laughs> um, you know, but the the one thing you can say about it is if you're especially if you're going to lower corporate taxes, the reason why uh, in America we have a thirty five percent corporate tax rate is that foreign countries have a value added tax, a VAT. So you need something to produce revenue and basically uh, increase the tax base. And the, and, and the BAT, the Border Adjustment Tax, was coming in at about a trillion dollars of revenue to do all the oh. things they want to do yeah. for tax reform. So when you have all these Republicans finally say, I'm not supporting that, I'm not doing it, there's a trillion dollar hole right, that they, the have to, that they have to fill. The one thing we can say is that in, where there's been some movement 
is now you have conservatives, and these are the most conservative members of Congress saying, well, tax, we don't need to, you know, think of tax cuts as revenue neutral. They don't need to be that way. We can just sunset them in nine years and, you know, basically play budget games. The other thing they want is they want to couple this with $400 billion worth of welfare reform, and it's unclear what that means, but $400 billion, like a $200 billion cut to SNAP would be massive. Yeah. So they're going to be, they're looking at conservatives are going to advocate for deep cuts to the social safety net for tax cuts. I mean, it's, it's very clear, which is really what AHCA was, too. I mean, this mm-hmm. an $800 billion Medicaid cut for six or $700 billion in, in tax, in tax cuts. cuts. Right. right. So it's just more of the same with the tax cut proposal, and they're okay with not paying for these now. So there could be some movement there. Uh, it's still very difficult. This is the thing with tax reform is that it, it gets tricky once you start talking about specifics and tax rates, and there's really no agreement on anything at this point. Right. Uh, Our tax bill mm. is moving along in Congress. Yeah. And I believe it's doing very well. Uh-huh. He does believe that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably does believe that. Um, well, it may be doing about as well as the uh, health care bill in the Senate, or well, I think the health care bill there last week was a big week. Um, you saw Bill Cassidy has been a holdout from basically the very beginning, and, and seemed like someone who was inclined to vote no on this. He's finally saying, "I can get behind this." Um, mm. And and basically, what did it for him was that the the some of the protections for pre-existing conditions that, that the House had sort of undermined, those are coming back in in the Senate bill. And because of that, you've got Dean Heller who's saying some sort of more positive things. Uh, he looked like he was a prime mm-hmm. suspect to vote no. You've got Cassidy who was a key person. And really, I think the only two solid no holdouts um, are Susan Collins and Rand Paul. And then you have some other people like Lisa Murkowski who could probably be bought off or Capito who's going to She's going to be sort of difficult for West Virginia because this is a really bad bill for West Virginia with the Medicaid expansion. But there's you're getting down to the point now where there are individual senators that you can make individual deals, and you could maybe get this to 50 or so. The only problem they have is getting it through back on the other end in the House when you have yeah, the free Yeah, when you go back guys, to the House. Right, insisting on, on these pre-existing well, condition uh, components and – there could be some difficulty there. So, well, if I may, yeah, uh, be so bold as to suggest that you are overlooking um, the real problem in the Senate. Mitch McConnell uh, talked about this uh, over the weekend. Uh, you know, you've just been talking about the Republicans not getting on board. That's not the real problem, right, Mitch? They're doing everything they can to tie the Senate in knots. They're forcing procedural hurdles on just about everything. They're even gumming up works for non-controversial nominees for no other reason than delay for its own sake. Those pesky Democrats. Oh, yeah, up yeah. works. Yeah, uh, uh, right. <laughs> Mitch McConnell <laughs> blaming it all on the Democrats. Yeah, it's all By the way, Donald Trump does the same thing, of course, says the obstructionists, the obstructionists. Like, right. I would have all of my ambassadors today if it weren't for those obstructionists. Right. There's like a backlog of four who are ready to be voted on. Yeah. Four. Yeah, something really? like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, was... and all the rest haven't even been... Right, nominated. No, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the other thing is that 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 argument is is totally devoid of honesty because they're not trying to pass this bill with Democratic votes. They're not trying to include Democrats yeah. in the process yeah. at all. Uh, there have been no hearings. You might have seen this sort of viral clip of Claire McCaskill last week, um, you know, complaining to Orrin Hatch, you know, when are we going to have a hearing in this over a massive bill? And Orrin Hatch is like, oh, that's a good question. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure we'll have a hearing, but um, this idea that. 
you know, Democrats are holding this bill up. Republicans have completely disregarded Democrats in this process. They, they're not looking for their votes at all. They've written off all their votes. This is completely on them if they can pass it. And that's one thing you can say that's undermined their whole argument of, you know, Democratic obstruction. They're not trying to, to go to Democrats for votes on tax reform or Obamacare. Uh, the only thing that they, they might need Democratic votes on is an infrastructure bill, and that's been totally MIA as well, right? That's The one thing right. I, th- I think Trump voters were kind of excited about was this Trump getting us all back to work. And, yeah. you know, where's yeah. that been? It's just been, you know, somewhere down the backlog and <laughs> really non-existent. Although we had Infrastructure Week and we really killed Boy, it. Boy, wasn't that great. I think we solved all of America's problems <laughs> with Infrastructure Week. Yeah, well, don't forget, this is Workforce Development Week this week. Oh, perfect. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, I, have, I have some guesses, but... I, I, <laughs> you have to ask Ivanka Trump. This yeah. is her project. Oh, this perfect. is Workforce Development Week, which we think will be as successful as Infrastructure Week was. And that was a great of, success. I in mean, terms of moving the, the agenda. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I have to say, too, um, or, um, from a personal, it, it is a, a little cheeky to hear <laughs> a Mitch McConnell blame about Democrats putting up roadblocks to any legislation when that's all that he did for eight eight years. Uh, It is. Yeah. But uh, and and as you point out, doesn't apply here at all because it's pretty clear that the way Republicans have been so far, except for Neil Gorsuch, I guess. Right. Well, uh, I mean, in that even even then they they, broke the filibuster. Right. 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 Yeah. They're not looking for Democratic votes, really. It was Uh, immaterial, the fact. Right. Um, what is going to happen? What can we expect at the in the Senate Intelligence Committee tomorrow? With sessions, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good question. First of all, I, I, I'm not sure we know that it's going to be a public hearing. I think that's the expectation. Hasn't been decided yet. Has not been at least announced. Maybe right. it's been decided, exactly. But, Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I I've not seen uh, much willingness from Jeff Sessions to criticize the president to take to say anything damaging to the president. Um, Jeff Sessions is a professional politician. Uh, you know that was really his reputation in the Senate. Uh, I don't expect him to break. I don't think we're going to get any bombshells. Um, I don't. I think he'll sort of avoid direct questions about whether or not he was feeling. You know, if 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 the question is, did you think something inappropriate or untoward was going to happen with Comey and and. In um, that February, right, the famous right. I, uh, February 14 I mean, meeting right, in the Oval Office. You're right. asking someone to sort of uh, decode like their innermost thoughts in a moment where it's like we're just getting up and I don't think he's going to be saying much of anything there. So um, I don't expect any bombshells from Jeff Sessions. He's not the guy who's going to, th- who's going to throw bombshells um, or reveal bombshells. I, I just think he's someone who is – he's been ride or die with Trump from the very beginning, which is why he's in this position. Um, he's – dedicated to trump he's he's that's why he's here right yeah the only thing you can say is that he uh apparently he offered to resign before with trump um things weren't going necessarily as well as trump wanted trump wasn't so happy about him um deciding to recuse himself from the russia stuff so um there's obviously some bad blood but i think i don't expect jeff sessions to be the person who delivers the coup de grace to donald trump no it's not gonna happen yeah Mm -mm. no uh, and he still has a job, so still has a job. If right. he He's didn't have a job, mm, yeah, we'll even we'll then see. I wouldn't count on yeah. him. But maybe yeah. chances might be a little more like, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and I think Donald Trump would fire him if he thought he could get away with it. But on top of firing Comey and Sally Yates and Preet Bharara, it might right. be 
one more law enforcement official well, might you, be you might, one too many. You might have seen over the weekend too. I, I believe that the Trump's lawyers said they weren't uh, holding, they weren't um, ruling out the possibility of firing like Robert Mueller and saying, I, you know, I don't know how you. <laughs> How do you fire a special, special counsel? counsel? Right. Well, Richard, ask Richard Nixon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I guess they're they're not ruling it out. So if it gets if it gets down to that badly, you know, maybe. And and also Mueller's been hiring uh, a, a lot of people who understand this stuff. Say he's making a lot of really interesting, good hires, uh, criminal law experts, and seems to be gearing up very well for a a, a serious investigation. Uh, yeah, the people that he's brought on are are known as the top most criminal law practitioners in the country. Right. Yeah, I, which not, indicates you know, he's in there for the long haul and it's serious stuff that they yeah. that they're looking at. I think that's one a good way to look at it. I, I uh, obviously uh, when you hire the best people that's a, a, another good way to look at it is you're just hiring the best people that you, that you can. So I I I assume it's a serious investigation. I'm not I don't want to f- pretend to be a criminal law expert and know the field very well these people but um certainly it seems like he's hiring good people for it. Now, I wanted to ask you, so we talked a little bit about Mitch McConnell. Um, Paul Ryan, uh, it, it, of all the, I thought, lame responses to Comey's testimony and to um, what Comey said about Donald Trump uh, asking him outright to drop the investigation well, on that one-on-one meeting, at least that's Comey's version of it. Donald Trump insists he never did so. Um, here, so... Everybody has their take on what really happened. Here, again, is Paul Ryan. The president's new at this. He's new to government. And so he probably wasn't steeped in the long-running protocols that established the relationships between DOJ, FBI, and White Houses. He's just new to this. Uh, so you've, you've written about this, too. Is, is Paul Ryan really that dumb, or does he think we're that dumb? You know, Paul Ryan is a complex <laughs> figure. Um, very uh, nicely put. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, obviously that is a wholly inadequate uh, rationale. He's just new to this. And, and, in fact, later on he's pressed on, well, doesn't he have a staff who's not new at this? And, like, does that excuse, you know, is ignorance of law excuse not following the law? I mean, I, I, don't, I honestly don't get the argument. If he's just saying give the, cut the guy a break because he's new, well, no. I mean, if he obstructed justice, that's a very serious thing. Um, Paul Ryan, I, I, th- I think in the most charitable view is waiting on the one thing that will actually take down Trump or the really serious thing that he has to speak up on. And, and this parade of, um, you know, uh, embarrassments for him of just continuing to go through and, and, and agree with everything that Trump does in some ways you could say, again, the most charitable view this one once something finally comes through that is actually you know can be actionable and is big enough that Paul Ryan comes in, then it's going to be like, whoa, wow, Paul Ryan. Yeah. The the less charitable view is the guy is just a partisan. He's happy to have Trump there to sign whatever legislation and will provide whatever cover he needs to do. Uh, my biggest sort of takeaway from the inauguration, aside from you know the hellish nightmarescape that we live in now, is. <laughs> The giant grin on Paul Ryan's face during the whole ceremony. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, yeah, okay, right. He was the guy that said, we've talked about this many times, when he came around to endorsing Trump, he came around to endorsing Trump and said, 
I'm doing this because I need to be a check on Donald Trump. Congress has to be there to be a check on that type of power, which he's proven to not be. And then it all came together on inauguration. He's being like, oh, okay, right. Donald Trump is just that empty head that's going to get whatever Paul Ryan wants done, done. Right. He's a stooge in the White House who will sign anything that Paul Ryan puts on his desk. Yeah, I think Paul Ryan sees that, and he's fine with that. Yeah, but in, it, <laughs> but, but it, I what I wonder is in the long run. I mean, at one time, maybe some people still consider him this way. Paul Ryan was considered the rising star of the Republican Party. He was the vice presidential nominee. He mm-hmm. was the future of the party. Um, I'm not sure the that wonk. he right and a walk yeah, right? that's the policy. Right. But I'm not sure that he has done himself any favor by being so subservient. <laughs> oh, of course not. No, to no. Donald I mean, I, I, in, in terms some... of being. A, a force of his own, right? Yeah, yeah. Someone I mean, who has something I, I, to offer. He's... I absolutely believe Paul Ryan was going to run for president and had those aspirations. Yeah. I also think that Paul Ryan has realized that his vision of America is not one that is very popular. Um, you know, uh, not to say I saw a great tweet last yeah. week. But I saw a great tweet last week <laughs> that was something to the effect of, you know, um, Steve Bannon's vision of America. There's like a natural constituency for it of mm-hmm. populism and, and nationalism or maybe some sort of blend of racism. Uh, there's no real natural constituency for Paul Ryan's vision of helping the donor class and like you know, lowering taxes for the richest among us. Um, that's a sort of unpopular view of what America needs to do. And cutting every program that helps and cutting everybody. Every, right, who is and along the way, right, right. And, 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 this, and this crusade for poverty that, you know, seems so inverse to what... So now related to that, we are facing a... I, I, I always get them confused. Either a debt limit or a budget deadline coming up, right, that Congress has to deal with. Yeah, so, I mean, we're already way over the budget deadline. Yeah, budget, uh, okay, so but, it's the, but the debt limit, yeah, is coming up. Um, there's been some debate of whether or not... Um, when basically that will hit the debt limit, the debt ceiling. Uh, originally, we were expected sometime in October or November. Um, Mick Mulvaney came in, the the OMB director, and said it looks like it's going to be even sooner, which may not be the greatest sign that we're mm-hmm. you know our tax revenues humming along here. Right. Um, but it, it actually does look like that. That might that this is the the basically the retraction has gone unnoticed. They didn't retract it, but people looked reporters looked into it and said no, it still looks like. October-ish or so. So it's going to line up basically with the, quote, budget deadline, which is, uh, you know, a CR right. or an omnibus All right, and so, the so, debt limit. So the goals for this year, right, tax reform, infrastructure. Obamacare. Obamacare, repeal of Obamacare, maybe just the – which those are three or so, yeah. Which of those three is going to happen in calendar 2017? Very difficult uh, to say any of them will. The maybe, most likely – Maybe none of them? Oh, for sure that there's a there's a – very large possibility that none of them is the answer. I mean, if, just go by just go by what they've actually done. Yeah, um, you know they're not trying to do much of anything. They're just trying to keep the lights right. on at this point a yeah. little bit. But that would be stunning if they get through the first year and those three big goals. None of none of them sure. having. And then been if you can run out another six months, then you're in midterms and right. Democrats take to the house. All right, Matt Fuller from HuffPost. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for Thank coming you. in. Yeah. All right, have a great one, folks. This we'll see you back here again the tomorrow. Bill Press show.